Hello folks, Jeff C here, and I wanted to give a huge shout out to our regular listeners who continue to show their love and support. Thank you for tuning in week in and week out. If you've been finding value in our discussions and insights, we have a small request. Would you consider sharing the show with a friend or colleague? It's the best way to spread knowledge and help others stay updated in the dynamic world of social media. Now we've been hearing your queries and we know that many of you are eagerly awaiting the progress on the Descript course. Unfortunately, we hit a little snag due to some storms and power outages here in Texas, combined with some family obligations and also some exciting new features and updates we wanted to ensure that we covered. However, we're thrilled to announce that we've overcome these hurdles and the course is set to launch in just a few weeks. While we've been busy working behind the scenes, I personally had the chance to experiment with some of Descript's new features, and I've been sharing them on my Instagram Reels. So if you want to catch a sneak peek of what you can do, you need to head over to my Instagram channel, at Jeff C, that's at J-E-F-F-S as in Sam, I-E-H, and take a look at what you can do. For those of you who are keen to sign up for the course updates, visit jeffc.com forward slash Descript 101. That's jeffc.com forward slash Descript 101. 101. Now, without any further ado, let's dive right into the show. Keeping you up to date on the world of social media. Industry experts, innovators, creators, storytellers, and the latest social media tools, tips, and tactics. This is Social Media News Live. Hello, folks. Welcome to Social Media News Live. I'm Jeff C., and you're not. And I'm Connor Brown, and this is the show that keeps you up to date on what's happening in the world of social media and more. Have you ever pondered about the key to simplifying video content strategy to amplify your brand? Or maybe you've wondered how to effectively leverage YouTube to grow your business. Or maybe you're on the hunt for practical advice to overcome challenges in video content creation. If those thoughts have ever crossed your mind, you're in for an enlightening experience today. We are excited to have a conversation with someone who has mastered all of these fields. She's a maven of video content strategy and YouTube growth and the author of the impactful book, The One Right Video. Dinah Gladney will be sharing her journey, her insights, and her pro tips for successful video content creation and brand amplification. So get comfortable, prepare your note-taking tools, and gear up for an episode brimming with practical advice and inspiration. So let's dive right in. Diana, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, it looked like it froze there for a second. It's Connor's fault. But Diana, thank you so much for being here today. It's all Connor's fault. So uh, if you don't know Diana, let me introduce you. She helps busy entrepreneurs simplify video creation so they can amplify their business and their brand using video. So she takes seemingly complicated topic of video marketing and tech tutorials and really makes it simple and easy for anybody to share their purpose, their message, and their businesses with those who need it the most. And we talked about her best-selling book, The One Right Video. It simplifies video technology and makes it accessible to anyone, regardless of skill level. And as a sought-after speaker and consultant, Diana's ability to break down complex concept in a relatable way has really made her the go-to resource for entrepreneurs looking to transform their video marketing strategy and grow their businesses. So, Diana, first question I have for you, like, how long did it take you to write a book? That's a big deal. Oh, man. Uh, so if we include the starting, the stopping, the quitting on yourself, the I don't know if this is needed parts. <laughs> I'd, say, I'd say once I actually uh, got through all of that, uh, the writing part was relatively easy. So the hard work took about it's like a year, year and a half almost. And then the writing took a few months afterwards. So, yeah, like a year and a half. <laughs> 
Wow. So, and one of the cool things is um, the forward for your book is by a guy I really respect. And he's one of your mentors is Ray, uh, Ray Edwards. And uh, he just, he gushed about your book at the beginning and it, it really was really good. So I, you know, I'm not one of those hosts who don't read the book and goes to the back cover and like finds the bullet points. I always like to read it. And, and, I tell you folks, if you guys are interested in, in up-leveling, up-leveling your business, this is the book if you're wanting to take some video. And I think video is going to be more important as we continue our path with the technology and where businesses have to be. This book is almost a must-read, in my opinion. But something else that is a must-have is our friends over at Ecamm. Look at that segue. Um, you can right. find out more about them at socialmedianewslive.com forward slash Ecamm. Not only is Diana going to be uh, one of the camp counselors along with me with their thing coming up in October, um, she also gives a lot of uh, great advice. And on that note, uh, Ecamm really has this grand, brand new show that I wanted to tell you guys about. It's Demo Mode Pros with Alicia Way. It's starting up again here in June, and you can find out more about that if you just go to their Ecamm's YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash at Ecamm Live. They have great guests on there teaching and training inside of Ecamm. It is a must watch if you're wanting to up level your video. And you know, we are big fans of Ecamm over here. I know Diana uses them as well. Uh, so make sure you go to their YouTube channel and check out their new, their new show that's, I mean, their new a season of their show that start starting up demo mode pros uh, and check that out. So as we're getting started today, I want to really jump in to this, you know, creating this one right video, uh, mm -hmm. Diana, because um, I want to get your like overview of your philosophy of simplify, simplifying the video content strategy to amplify your band. So kind of tell us what that is and how you kind of got to that point. Yeah, I got to that point because honestly, the process to get to understand video, me just being like everybody else at the time years ago of wanting to make a video for my business that would bring me more clients so I could, you know, get more sales and eventually uh, quit my full time job. And what happened, unfortunately, was I found a bunch of photographers and videographers that are really knowledgeable and like even cinematographers uh, really knowledgeable in their area. But I'm like, I don't want to use that tool for any of that. I just want to use it for what like stuff that we're doing now. Mm -hmm. And it just was not a simple lane. So the more videos that I made every day, <laughs> I made a video and every day I found something else wrong with it for me to troubleshoot. Um, and so after I figured out and translated all that crap for myself, <laughs> I figured there's no other video talking about it from this perspective in this way. So if I made that video, it'd probably be helpful to other people. Well, it turned out that the uh, stuff that I was talking about before is like personal development, small business tax saving stuff, whatever, completely different than what I talk about today uh, was not doing as well as when I did the video content. And I was becoming more passionate about that because, again, every time I found a problem in my video and had to filter through all the crap to get a way to explain this right uh, in a way that made sense for an entrepreneur and a business owner. Then I made that video and those videos continue to do well. And I said, well, why don't I just go ahead and shift and pivot with this? I'm really, uh, again, really more, just more passionate about this than this other stuff anyway. And so I just kind of uncovered uh, a new passion and purposeful work. And so it just skyrocketed with everything that's happened, especially like well, moving forward since 2020, because so many more people needed to have those problems solved in the YouTube of today. It's not the YouTube of 2016 and 2017 mm. and 2018, not by a long shot. So it's been an incredible journey to do that. And I'm still doing that to this day. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, once again, uh, I'm going to be 
singing your praises and your YouTube channel throughout the show because I really do think it's an incredible resource because you, I know a lot of small businesses who I've talked with or consulted with before that there's a big struggle with getting mm-hmm. that techno jargon to something that they can understand. They just want to buy a camera that works, right? right. They don't, yeah. the F stops and the lenses and the primes and the, you know, all this, the, the full frame, you know, no frame, whatever, you know, all that stuff freaks people yeah. out and they just <laughs> yeah. want some, uh, some great information and your YouTube channel really does provide that. So Connor, I know you had a question. Yeah. You know, I think you've been doing it this for so long and, and you've evolved with YouTube. You know, you said you started out with like, tax saving tips, which actually I could probably use a little help on that. But as you've transformed, you've caught on new content and things like that. We've heard for years and years, video is the next thing. Video is the next thing. I still think it is the next thing. I think it's always going to be the next thing because I think it's so daunting for a lot of people to take that first step into it. So what are some common mistakes that you see beginners making when they start creating video content and, and how can they avoid them? Yeah, oh man, that's a great question. So the, the one thing I would say is, is that it starts before they actually create. And it's like they have this mindset set uh, inconsistency of I'm making videos or I'm getting ready to make videos or I've started because I've been buying stuff, but I haven't actually gone through the process to record, edit and upload that content and hit not just upload it, but publish it (laughs) publicly and start moving towards the goal. So it's a lot of stutter stepping. I'm doing a lot of things to take so many steps forward, but I'm also taking so many steps back. And so that inconsistency of thought creates tension unnecessarily in the process of moving forward to attain the thing that you want. Uh, And I think one of the uh, greatest quotes that kind of sums that up uh, in order to be able to help them better is like, how am I creating the essentially the situation of the results that I don't want? So how am I being a partner to the failures that I don't, that I'm saying that I don't want? How am I being a party to this? And a lot of times, again, it's that mental inconsistencies of I'm doing this. And so it's making a decision, deciding and making a decision, a cut between what you're saying that you want and what you truly are wanting to go for. Uh, So that'd be like for sure. The first thing, the second thing would be not worrying so much. It's going to be a concern because it obviously is for everybody of the what you're using to make sure that it looks right. So you're uh, having your your brand aesthetic match what it should or what it publicly already has been. And then the video looks like a three-year-old was trying to help you with it. And they're like, I don't want my brand to look like that. So I got to get this looking right. But they obsess about the gear to the extent they look far beyond what actually would work, what they already have that would allow them to take daily progressive steps to moving and improving but again, it's just like they get stuck. I'm not going to do it until it's cinema-like quality and until it looks like a Netflix movie. And it's like, you're never going to get there. And that doesn't work for anything. So I don't know how they figure it's going to work for video, but people have that mindset. And so it's about making those two uh, mental shifts and then moving that into actual physical actions. Mm, that's great advice. So one, one of the questions, there's so many, you know, and there's some great books. I mean, Daryl Eves has got a great book. Your book is great on YouTube. There, there's a, you know, um, the guy who does think media, Sean Cannell, um, has a great book. Yeah. Um, and there's so many strategies for video, right. And Mm -hmm. the, the, the issue that I'm, I'm wanting to know is like, okay, you know, there's a different strategy is going to be different for like your local florist versus a business coach. So 
how do you tailor your video content strategies to attract the right customer that you need to grow your business? Mm, it's it's really thinking about the person that's behind the keyboard. And, and honestly, for the local floors making videos for their content down to the uh, business coach or consultant that is digitally marketing their business only, they're not doing a whole lot of uh, on the street kind of work. It's the same process because it doesn't start with them. It starts with the person behind the keyboard. Who are you serving that has the problem? For example, if somebody's looking to do a spread for uh, a workshop or an event, it's very different than the pain points and interests and questions even that someone that has to worry about doing uh, a service, memorial service or something. They have two totally different goals, essentially, but it all starts with the same thing. I have a problem. I have a concern. And for that expert, the person that's in the seat creating content, if you're a consultant and you're working with those uh, accounting partners or businesses, where are they starting from with the pain and how is it that you can help them with the content that you're doing or the services that you provide or the products or services that you offer? And that be the intersection between what you have and how you can serve them versus what they are having issues with right now. And if you start there, you're never going to miss because you're not starting from, I think I should make like who we are. I think I should make an about us video. I should make the the video, what you're going to see on this channel. And then you never see another video for another six months while I fiddle around with camera settings. And so it's like, it doesn't start with you. It starts with the person that you're serving. And so if they can start with that, the, who am I helping with what specifically that I learned from my business coach years ago, then you always start right. Cause you're not starting with self. You're starting with selfless actions. Oh, that is so good. See, and the, yeah. Di- she's going to be dropping stuff like that all day, folks. So uh, make sure you ask your questions because I'll just I'll just keep her rolling. Uh, if you have any questions, make sure you drop them in the comments below. One of the so one of the questions I you know when I'm reading this book and something that I think a lot of brands don't think about, or when you first start creating content, you don't think about, is backing up and putting all these yeah. videos somewhere. So I want to know, and this is really, really selfish, is like, I want to know your system and process for backing up all the content you create, because it's not only you're creating for your brand, but I also, you know, you do consulting and work with for other people as well. So what is your system for backing up? Because I, I think people just don't talk about that. Oh, yeah. So it uh, <laughs> most people start messy and they stay messy because it's only them. And right. if you ever get to the pain point threshold of, I want to have a team, then you start figuring out, oh, right. I don't have any systems. It's whatever I want to do. However, I can get it out. And it's like, okay, that splatter turned into a nice wall art. Let's just keep it and move on to the next one. Right. Uh, and so what it is, is figuring out what do you do by yourself and then creating a system that can expand. And so that's for me, systems and efficiencies is my jam. So you can ask the better mm-hmm. question. So, <laughs> uh, but what I do, it starts with um, the before I record with the ideation of it all. And so I like to keep stuff super simple and seamless because I don't want any points of friction. So I just use Apple notes. And if you use Google notes, that's fine. The whole point of it is having a digital system. Once you move, like I'm, I'm a pen and paper person, but once I bring it from the drawing it out or just getting the idea out, uh, it goes into a digital format and it may just only start as a digital format. So that's capturing the idea initially with uh, the voice memo that I keep on my Apple watch or on my phone. And then that goes directly into the computer from my phone. doesn't matter. I can always capture that. Uh, and it's really just like the capture ready to record and then move into the publish. And I keep everything even in the post process of it the same. But once you move past all of that um, and I've, I've recorded the video, 
I look at what do I want to keep, what's going to serve me moving forward for the goals and the visions that we have in the business and for who we're serving, what makes sense to keep, what makes sense to capture or document, and then what makes sense to let go. Because keeping everything is completely inefficient and keeping nothing is also completely inefficient and it's finding that happy medium. And so what, what I did was created for a digital workflow system. We don't keep anything on SSDs uh, or external uh, solid state drives is what that means. Mm -hmm. And so basically I keep nothing on the computer. My editor, we keep nothing on the computer because computers can crash. Right. We Any work that we're actively doing while we're going through all that before recording and all that stuff, or even the editing process, it goes on an external drive and you have folders based on how you're working. So you're just moving from one folder, like in a sequential order. Once we get it into the videos done, all of that stuff, it's like what raw content, like if I recorded uh, a clip of the new camera that I got, then we're going to use that a lot moving forward. So in our Dropbox folder system, obviously I have the folders for business systems, uh, pro tip, number them. So it's not reordering based on whenever right. you add something new or it's not going based on alphabetical order or if somebody redoes the filter, you can easily see what's what's out of order. And I believe simple systems serve. So that numbered order system works great. So once you have your regular business folders, accounting, all that other stuff, then we have the creation folder. So we have, uh, we actually created a B-roll library. Yeah, you got places like Storybox, but that's third-party B-roll stuff. We have nat mm -hmm. what we call natural B-roll right here off the side. I can pull it up right now. It's my new camera, but I'm also recording B-roll for it. Why? Because we're going to use this stuff in future when I'm talking about, oh, I did when I recorded B-roll. Again, and thinking about moving forward and what we're doing, who we're serving, st stuff like that. I'm like, oh, I know I'm going to want to talk about how I use this to document different parts of my day. And when I'm traveling or whatever, it's like when I was doing the interview for your show, then I'll have a reference material to instantly come up in the video. This gets added to the B-roll library. So that and we have it organized. That is alphabetical is by brand. So if we're talking about a lot of Ecamm stuff, Ecamm just may be a folder. Maybe we got clips of Katie Doc. Mm -hmm. Uh, we got clips of the twins and we got clips of the the systems and we got system, uh, stuff of the recording so that we're never having to redo work. The one thing that I found that will help anybody with any system when you're trying to especially create one is what are, what are the things that you're constantly thinking about and then rethinking about? Because all you're doing is creating loops. So how can I close some of these loops or even keep them from forming is looking like, you know what? We always keep having to figure out what video did we have B-roll for X, Y, and Z thing before we deleted everything? And it's like, you know what? We need a B-roll library, mm. create a B-roll library. So my thing is, as soon as we hit a point of friction, what's a system that would serve this? And I highly encourage people, don't go complex with your systems because if you can't verbally say what it is, if somebody on your team that you hire can't verbally repeat it, the system doesn't work because it's too hard to remember. And if it's too hard to remember, it's too hard to execute. Uh, and so that folder system serves us now. The finished video file, mm -hmm. yes, I do keep a record of those because for me, I know month and year how many that we do, but that also helps with analytics report and end right. of the year review. So we're not going on feelings. I'm going off of like our goal at the beginning of the year was to produce these many pieces of content. Did we actually produce those many pieces of video? Our micro content is organized, very organized because social platforms have, have all of these parameters. So how can you keep posting as they keep changing the rules? You be organized. 
<laughs> so it's like okay we got vertical video formats you got square we used to have what we call tall that right. would just kind of fill in and those kind of passed away carousels were a thing and then they passed away and now they're back so what are we organizing what are the three pillar points that we always talk about in the business organize it based on that with hashtags and stuff like that that again are easy to remember but vertical video is a problem became a problem when you enter a problem we start, I don't just come up with it on my own. I do a team huddle. We have like where we discuss the issue or somebody notes it. And then a pro tip, a book called Traction uh, by Gino Wickman, super helpful. Uh, if if people are struggling with systems and stuff, uh, that and then the book Scaling Up uh, is really great. I think it's by Vern uh, Harnish or something like that. I can't remember his mm -hmm. last name exactly, but those are great points as a business owner. So I started running the creation side of stuff, not just as my ideas, but there's systems to it and it can be more structured. People just don't like to fit themselves into, they feel like they're putting themselves in the box. And it's like, it's, it's not, that's just a cop out of, I don't want to be organized. I wanted to do, I want to do whatever I want to do and just let it work or don't work. But I involve my team in solving the problems or even when I create problems. It's like, what are we having issues with? Well, when you go out of town, content falls off because we don't have enough pre-recorded or the week before, or I get sick or I don't feel great when I'm coming back. And it's like, okay, so what are we going to do about this? I involve them in the solution. I don't tell them I involve them in it and I, or I give them the authority. It's like, okay, here's what I would like to see. Here's what I would need for this to work, but you make the final decision. We'll try it. And then if it works for me and it doesn't for you, we still need to change. If it works for you and it doesn't for me, we still change. So it's like, it's constantly testing stuff. Uh, but that's what we do. I don't keep everything, mm -hmm. but we keep the stuff that's most important. The natural B-roll stuff that we're recording because we use that in promos. We use that right. in ads. We use that as B-roll um, products, services, stuff that we talk about a lot. Even if you're a consultant or a coach, uh, even if you're doing Amazon live videos, if you're doing something, you're doing a promo reel. How are you supposed to have an example of what you look like working if you don't have a camera sitting off to the side or your phone even right. to record those moments so you can put all the stuff that you are learning to work. So I just, I, I'm just, a, I'm not sit down and let's create a big system. It's when we enter a problem, when we hit that threshold, let's solve this now because there's no point in redoing this and rethinking about it, or I should solve this problem. That's super inefficient. I love systems and efficiency. So you can ask me a better question. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things, just to clarify, but like your final uh, YouTube video, do you keep like a offsite thing? Like just in case YouTube ever goes away or changes something that you have your final videos somewhere backed up that you can keep them um, just as a backup or is that, is that even too much keeping old stuff? Yes. Yes and no. I keep what's important um, because there are some things if YouTube went away, we have the most important stuff uh, because gotcha. there are some things that are contextualized to the platform that right. will only make sense on that platform. And if another person or something like all of us, let's say YouTube was destroyed and Vimeo became the new YouTube for whatever reason. Right. We're not going to post the same stuff. The culture is different. Social culture is different on or would be there even no matter how well it tried to mimic YouTube, it would never be YouTube. Uh, so we keep what's important. And if there is a video, we know for a fact we're going to reference. It's just easier to, to have that. We do keep that. Uh, and then, like I said, we keep the keep some of the B-roll. But a lot of that stuff is like if it's contextual to the platform, it just goes to YouTube. If we ever need to pull from it or reference it, we'll just get it from yeah. YouTube. Yeah. And if YouTube d goes away, we don't have anything there that we wouldn't mind, mind letting go. Yeah. 
So not only is, is Diana costing me money with tech stuff, now it's books. <laughs> she's she's telling me books I have to get now. Oh my gosh, uh, I'm gonna have to get another job. So I want to bring up some comments <laughs> really quick from from people. Would you, what were you gonna so, say? Oh, okay. Simple. Um, let, yeah. Uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, Tatiana says, hello, I'm on vacation, can't stay, but I'm just going to watch the replay. Thank you for stopping by, Tatiana. And uh, so many people are saying, Diana, that is so true. That analysis paralysis. Chris Stone is he's soaking this up because he I can I know he's a system guy. He's an audio guy, too. But he goes, start with who you're serving. That is a winner. Um, And so many people. Oh, this is a great question from Facebook user. Do you use Notion, Diane, to keep it all together? Do you have like a, a like a platform that you like to use, you know, click up or, you know, notion that you like to run everything by? No, <laughs> and okay. it, it's, it's, it would, it's to some people, they would think it would be more, again, more complex, but again, simple system serves. Like I said, for what I'm using for myself personally, I use Apple notes. By the time I take it out of my brain idea stuff and move it to uh, a system for the team, for us to actually work it, it's in Asana. So our systems mm-hmm. and stuff, it's in Asana. Gotcha. Um, now I am exploring because I know it's uh, something that's becoming popular. I'm exploring and learning more about the whole notion second brain thing, right. because I think that it, it is some levels of that that is really smart and to create like a reference uh, document. So I'm looking into the whole notion second brain system, but I can't you know speak to using right. it right now. It's just super simple between my ideas and having that stuff organized for me in Apple notes, cause it will work on my phone. It'll work on my computer, it'll work on my watch. And then it's easy to translate that stuff and offload it into the team. And we actually start to execute. So I just, as many, like gotcha. not as many, but the least amount of points of friction to executing is what I want. Yeah, that's a great point. My daughter's a big notion. Uh, she, she goes crazy on it. She has it all worked out. I use Rome research, which is the one that I really like. And I <laughs> love that whole, uh, building a second brain. My friend, um, uh, Eric Fisher actually had the guy, Tiago Forte, who wrote that book mm-hmm. uh, on his podcast and it was, it was, a, it's nice. a must listen to. So, um, couple, uh, like Chuck goes, aha, simple si- uh, system serve Chuck from online video master mastery. And, and Gary is, is going like getting vertical video when we're working on landscape. Uh, yeah, I know he, he's like, uh, me, he said he was a video pack rat, but I am learning to let go. I am, uh, I'm, <laughs> Seeing if it sparks joy or not, let it go. So um, and Chris was saying, you can, can't ask a better question because I know he loves systems too. All right, so let's go to this next second uh, sec- uh, section, YouTube, uh, some, some about uh, some tactics there. And I know, Connor, you had a, a question right at the, the start of this. Let's talk growth. You know, when you get on the platform, you want to grow. You want to see that success. That's kind of how we measure it by. So what have been the keys to your successful growth on specifically YouTube? Uh, it's cliche and it sounds, it's just like one of those things where you, when you hear people say like, share, subscribe, you just ignore it um, because you're just yeah. used to ignoring it. Um, but it is consistency. I've been consistent for years, mm. years. Like the only break that I recently took that's a long break is uh, was like a, it was like the month of April, May or April or something like that. Like I literally just took a month or so to rest because I was already working outside of all the digital production stuff. And I was like, you know what? I'm taking a, I'm taking a break. I'm resting. Um, outside of that, I've been posting videos consistently every week since I started in June 2016. And when I, and I was wow. like starting on Facebook with my mentor and like from my very first video up until like a couple months ago, I just was like, 
yeah, every every week, every day I would touch my camera, even when I worked a full time job. Every day I still took my camera with me. So if I was on my lunch break, I would go out somewhere where it was private so I can work on it and just keep testing the settings. I come home, make videos, even if it was what I call throwaway videos, which is your practice videos that never will go anywhere, but it's you getting consistency. And so the mother of all learning is repetition. So I just put that to work for me. That's how you win on YouTube. That the, the no strategy is going to work if you don't keep doing it. No system is going to have analytics or data points if you're not doing it enough. And sometimes people lack of publishing because they're too busy strategizing, which is just a good way to say I'm sitting on my behind thinking about it. Um, you know, sometimes execution is what's needed to get data in order for you to figure out what the next thing is that you should do. So even if I was uncomfortable, like with the results, or even if I like, I just plan to ignore for honestly the, the first six months, first six months to a year yeah. of, of doing videos, I'm like, I'm planning to ignore uh, really ignore as far as like the emotional attachment to how the videos are doing, because I really need to focus in and control the things that I can control. Yes. Implement the strategies as to what you're learning. Yes. Improve your video content as you're moving forward. But again, that was me. And it's, I wouldn't say do the same thing today, but that's what helped me. And so put your nose down and work batch record, not batch record, because most people don't do the first videos, right? But (laughs) (laughs) so it's like make a system of doing the video, improve the system, but the publishing once a week is just so you can figure out all the stuff you're doing every other day until you publish, because you need more time to figure that out. That don't mean stay only at one video per week, because sometimes, again, you're not having enough data points to like really move the needle. It's possible but yeah, you just need to be more consistent and committed. I think that's the difference. Consistency and commitment is what help, helps any YouTube or video strategy work. Hmm. So when you're yeah. talking about making that, um, you know, just going and, and just putting that stuff out for a first year. And it, you talk about the story in your in your book where you actually quit your job, like the, the soul sucking hmm. job that you're in. How long were you making videos before you quit your job and did that full time? Like how long were you going, working at nights or weekends to, but still being consistent and, you know, putting in that extra time before you went, okay, I'm going to quit my job and do this full time. Um, mm, so whatever the time frame is between, like I said, June 26, actually I say it's more like June, okay. June, 2016 made my first video, start making my first videos on my smartphone stuff. Those are not public because they were in a private Facebook group. So from that time until May 10th, 2019, when I quit all the days in the in between, I was, I was making content. I was doing interviews. I was doing my podcast at the time I was publishing, um, content. I was writing blogs I was, every day. I was doing something I, I, in between lunch, I was working. I would, it would be so some interviews that I had, I'd be going down the steps out of breath from the fourth floor <laughs> to my car <laughs> to do an interview and stuff. So it was all the days in, in the in-between up until that point. So the when I quit, I had been doing it for years at that point. So it wasn't new. I just was new to only doing that. But I would even take um, my vacation weeks to two weeks you get off. I didn't go anywhere. I didn't do anything. I just worked in my business or I would leave my job early so that I'm getting paid at work. I'm getting paid for the full day, but let me see what a full day of, of creating would look like. What systems do I need? What am I missing? How do I figure this out? Uh, and stuff like that. So I was doing a whole lot of, a whole lot of work uh, before that, but it was May 10, 2019 is when I actually quit and walked out. 
So that reminds me of a quote that I think it was Chris Brogan said. He goes, it took me 15 years to be an overnight success, which I thought was great. Yeah. You know, it's like people don't understand that there's the, the people who are successful and like the people like Diana and some of the other uh, folks we've had on the show, they work hard. Like it's not something that just falls in their lap. It's hard work and, and being mm-hmm. consistent uh, like Diana is has been preaching. Um, uh, this is a great uh, question from my friend Jim Alt over on YouTube. He goes, how do you handle the feedback comments of your audience that can take you in 25 different directions? Like when we talked earlier about doing the right type of content to attract your ideal customer. But what if you get just these rando comments, like Jim is saying, how do you know which one to pick and which one to go with? Mm. Uh, that's a really great question because that is a big way to derail. That's why, like, so much of video is a lot of personal development. It is a lot of personal growth because it exposes you to yourself. And so, when you see those comments and people say something about you, um, then it's like you have the same response to a digital comment as you would a physical one in in real life. Not to mention, we're trying to run a business, we're trying to make content and do other things with this way that you know who to listen to, who not to how to manage any of that stuff. Um, it's not, I don't think it's uh, logical to expect you to develop Teflon skin right away or even over time. Cause it just may not be part of your DNA, but there is some social and mental toughening to that, which is knowing who you are, why you're doing what you're doing, why you were created to do what you're doing and, and why only you can serve the people that you're called to serve. So you have to constantly be a reaffirming to yourself that Because if somebody can convince you out of that, then you're lost. There's nobody that can convince you back in. So you have to always be able to stay firmly planted in that. You are going to have seasons where you question yourself, but you need to be able to definitively go down those line of questions, not saying, oh, this person's better than me and blah, blah, blah. Why am I the only person that can do what I do in the way that I do? And only these people are going to be helped because I'm here. When you are constantly in a progressive state, this is not just a day of doing it right and a day of doing it wrong. When you're constantly in a progressive state of making sure that you're firmly planted in that, when the comments come, as they always do, you need to be able to understand the difference between the loud minority that's talking versus uh, the sometimes small majority that you probably need to be paying attention to. And what I mean by that is people that you're serving well all the time may not be commenting. They may not comment on every video because they're too busy doing. Like they're in the process of, I'm gonna watch this video, I like the video, and they have a playlist set up or something, or they're doing the stuff that you're talking about. But that doesn't mean that they're not uh, being served or that it's not working. That's where understanding how to read the analytics helps. So knowing how to read that. So that silent majority of people, it's fine. You know, for amount of views a video get, it doesn't have that exact same amount or even 80% of that in comments. So there is always going to be a great majority of people that's not speaking, but you have to learn how to read the other analytics. Audience retention is a really great one. So if you see that people are getting through the majority of this video, then you can tell, okay, that I'm serving a majority of people because they consistently watch through. Now, the loud minority of people that say, I wish you turn the music down. I wish you do. <laughs> I'm not serving you, Susan. I'm here to serve my avatar, who we name in the business, Streamline Steve. And if I know that I'm making something for Streamline Steve, when I see a bunch of Susans 
commenting, you were never, this was not for you anyway. You're in the wrong place. The fact that you decided to stay at the party, we let you be here. So <laughs> I hear you, but I also am okay with ignoring that. I don't care that you feel that way to people. Like I'm offended that I, I welcome that in a sense of I'm okay that you're offended by that because it has nothing to do with me. Like you're the right, it's like going to McDonald's. I wish you guys wouldn't serve beef. You should serve vegan options. Go to a <laughs> vegan shop. We never said we were going to like, you right. You know, so it's knowing the difference in that kind of a stuff. Yes. Use wisdom and logic to say, is there still some truth to when somebody says like, Oh, the music is too loud. It's like with for my ideal target audience, would this be helpful or harmful to them? We probably could cut it down. It's like, okay, that, that works. Or somebody say, I wish you would explain this better. Now we're getting points of potential, the silent majority uh, that's maybe not speaking all the time. It's like, I wish you would have slowed down when you explain this. Hmm. Why would they ask that question? Why would they say that? And then I started, I'm like, okay, it would make sense. Let me verify this uh, some more with some analytics and see what happens around that point of the video. Maybe I see a bunch of people going back. So you see a spike in the analytics there. It's like, okay, so I probably should say, okay, okay, let me do that. Now you, you're understanding how to, who to listen to and the who not to, because the who not to's always are gonna be loud. They're in the wrong place. They, they, they're doing what they do. They are not your problem, nor is it your problem or your responsibility to find solutions for people that are not your ideal target audience. And so I'm very clear on that. You photographer, videographer, you asking stuff about, I, I can't help you. I'm not gonna try to neither. Mm. I'm not, this not for, the channel's not built for you. I'm not talking about this from you. And it's like, I'm, I wish you talk about the photographer. I, I ignore a whole side of a camera. We don't talk about photography on the channel. I'm not, pass a thumbnail, a headshot maybe, and some stuff, some branding photos or something like that, maybe. It's the only kind of photography stuff that would make sense to a point for a content creating entrepreneur. I ain't trying to help you make your short film and I'm not going to derail myself trying to help you. You know what I'm saying? So it's right. like learning to listen to who is making sense. Is there some validation in what's being said and using wisdom to know, like, you know, that person's not my target audience, but it would be helpful. So when somebody like a gentleman told me years ago, it'd be really helpful if uh, you slow down or it'd be really helpful if you explain that better. Or one young lady, she was like, I'm getting lost because I would get excited about the tech, start talking Japanese in this tech jargon. <laughs> and <laughs> she was like, I was following you until about seven minutes in. And I have no idea what you said, but I appreciate your help. I didn't help you. I messed up somewhere because I lost myself in the sauce. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, let me refocus. So when you are very clear of who your ideal target audience is, and you are only making content with them in mind. And I call him Streamline Steve for a reason. We put a name and personality and traits as if somebody was describing me. Oh, well, you know, Diana, she has dreadlocks or, or what have you. Uh, today she wore a brown shirt, she had a gold chain. Like that level of clarity as if that person could show up today. You need to have clarity like that with your avatar or your ideal target audience. So you know them when, you, when, they, when they pop up. And you also know those that don't fit the mold and like, just like, that was some great points. You don't qualify to be here, but thanks or whatever. Or it's just mm -hmm. like this, this comment is ridiculous and not even worth my attention. So ignore it or delete it. Yeah, man, that's great. I would just state for the record that my mother's name is Susan and she's always welcome. <laughs> <I just> <laughs> 
<laughs> so Chris even we said, like, Chris was saying that he loved that. Yeah, that, that is a great reminder because it does, it, it is, it, it's very personal when you see those comments coming through. Like, I've had people who just do not like beards at all and will be mm-hmm. very nasty about it. Um, and then I just, I just like, okay, well, see you later. Not for you. Uh, and uh, <laughs> we had another one said that it's very helpful about the slant majority. Yeah, we forget about that because there's more people probably listening and not saying anything than there are who are actually making those rude comments. So, uh, yep. yeah, I think, especially when you do get a good comment or helpful feedback, whether it's a comment or an email or something like that, just assume or start assuming that there's 10 other people, 20 other people out there that have the exact same thought, but just aren't vocalizing it mm-hmm. and put yourself in those shoes. We don't leave a comment on every you know, informative thing that we see. Um, so if we're not doing it, there's a whole bunch of other people out there not doing it. Right. But I mm-hmm. think with that, it, it is important because that's how you get content. That's how you understand your audience. And when it comes to that, you know, you, you said it, that you build content for your specific audience, but then also on a specific platform. But when mm. new platforms, come into the mix and people are consuming content differently, I would assume that the strategy has to change. YouTube, much more long form if you want it to be, but things like YouTube shorts, TikTok, Instagram reels, they're all here. People are consuming them. They're great to grow your business and they're great to learn information from the consumer. So what are some strategies for for hooking viewers on this short form video? Um, considering it's so easy for viewers to swipe to the next thing, and especially when you're building content for the long view. Mm. Easy answer, get to the point. Mm. Yeah. Get to the point. Most people have, they're so strategic that they get stupid about like, just like, geez, just say that the best way to make coffee is not overheating the water like 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 again put yourself as the person that's behind the keyboard or the person that's on the other side of that phone your attention is someplace else or you have a 15 minutes that you're stopping you're taking a break or whatever or you're sitting at the whatever is this something going to capture my attention or not the whole point of a hook is just like you think about fishing even if you've never fished a hook means you caught them but it doesn't mean that you're keeping them so the hook is just simply to get them to pause because at the right at the rate that people are scrolling, most people, they're just kind of like, you got two and a half, three ish seconds, if that, to see if you're saying, showing or doing something that makes me want to pause. You have to stop the scroll. And the easiest way is to get to the point of something like and give somebody the reason of why they're there or whatever. It's just like. For I don't care what you're into. So if you're a coach or a business consultant or you're doing uh, you're some kind of marketer, you can say, like, stop wasting money on Facebook ads or I spent I wasted five thousand dollars on Facebook ads. But here's how I got a ten million dollar return or five hundred thousand dollar return to the ideal target audience that cares about that is having problems with with, with this because everybody has you have to think about this uh Ray Edwards has this pastor framework I use it all the time the person the problem the pain point it's an acronym who am I talking to what's their problem and what is their ideal right now pain point because everybody has one or an interest or intrigue point that I like to sometimes alter that depending on what we're doing 
But it's like, why would they care? Or it's like McDonald's isn't killing you. Corn is what? And it's like, yeah, it's like corn is like, I don't know. This, I don't even know if that's real. But, you know, it's like, right, right. because, right. And it's just like, huh? You caught, you hooked the fish, but now you actually got to reel it in. How many times have we seen clips of people trying to fish and they had it hooked and then they lost them? That's what attention is. And that's the number one uh, most traded commodity online is attention. So the whole point of the hook, if you don't do anything else, what can I do? What can I say? What can be appealing, interesting, or important that lets this person know I actually have your answer? Mm. And it's most of the time, it's just like, get to the point. You got six, less than 60 seconds. Most people watch 30, I think maybe like average of, uh, of 30 right. to 40 seconds or something like that. But you want to get them to where you have micro content that's over 100%, which means they watched it over. So if you get to the point, you give your, you're having to earn trust with micro content way faster than you ever do with longer form content because people are starting to search, they have a problem, let me go through and I'm, I have time to weave through these videos. Micro content or whatever, you have no other point of focus other than what's in front of me right now and you got less than three seconds to do that, to say something in milliseconds that makes me wanna pay attention or go. So what we do in the business is this ignorable and scroll pastable or is this stoppable mm. period like this bores me i'm the one saying this stuff this is it bores me it's like i wouldn't pay attention to that steve wouldn't pay attention to that susan wouldn't pay attention to that so <laughs> connor's so, mom will not pay attention to your content so she will man. ignore you <laughs> the, the question I have in the, the last section, I want and I want to have get enough time to talk really in de depth about your book, but um, uh, you, you know, you and I both love live video. Yeah. I mean, you're a big fan of Ecamm, mm -hmm. you know, you do live video too. And that's why I love it. Cause I can engage, I can like pull up like, um, you know, Chris's comment and, you know, talk back and forth to people. Engagement's pretty easy on live video if you do it right. Yeah. How do you engage on like YouTube and the short form you know, YouTube shorts and stuff? Because that's a whole different animal, but people want that engagement on those channels. So mm -hmm. how do you do mm -hmm. that in YouTube? Like how do you do it on YouTube or how do you do that in micro content? Um, well, shorts is part of market YouTube too. So let's just do like your long form content. Like, is it just responding to comments? That's how you engage or is there other tactics that I'm not thinking of? you have a lot of uh, communication points. And a lot of times we forget what we do as consumers when it's something that like you it could be gardening, it could be astrophotography or whatever. Like it could be anything that you're actually interested in. What are the things that you're looking for? So in my videos, the whole approach is like a welcome back. And like, mm -hmm. you're my friend. Even if we've never met before, people feel welcome. And it's just like, oh, just like, let me get you something to drink, get you a coffee. This is where the barbecue is. Like it's a party happening. And so I don't start the videos. Hello, my name's Diana Gladney. I'm here to tell you about, I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. It's like, we're friends. We're already friends. And so let's just start this off right now. And I'll start it from that aspect. So number one, that brings people down emotionally so I can get them through this hierarchy of engagement to get to that latter half of actually commenting and replying. So when they actually leave a comment, this is way down the line of like, you did so many things right to get them there. 
So I'm talking to them like they're friends. Like there's some people, like I asked uh, something that was just completely personal. Like there's a debate in my house of uh, between strawberry jelly, grape jelly with uh, a, a nasty emoji and then something else. I think like apple butter, blackberry, whatever. And so we're having conversations like and somebody said, well, strawberry is the only one I see. And I say, you are exactly right. Strawberry is the only one that should be on the list. Everything else is disgusting, mostly grape. And so people now it's like conversations, no different right. with white chocolate. I'm communicating with with my audience like they are friends because we are connecting. And it's like you want a relationship. We need to be relationable with people uh, and really not talk at them, but talk with them. And you know what I'm saying? Like conversation. Right. So when people leave a comment, I'm thinking like, where are they at? Where are they coming from when they had those problems or whatever? And like, you know, somebody's not been around or if they're new to where if you see their comment a lot or they reply, even for the first time, as if you guys are already friends. Yeah. Uh, and so com- you have that, you have your comment section, you have in the video as well. You have, uh, which is why I said like I approach it that way. You have the community tab that a lot of people don't leverage at all. And not just to ask, what do you guys want to see? We want the next video. As talk to them, talk with them, show them stuff. Uh, you have stories, which is going away on YouTube, but that was another level uh, of something that you could do. You have polls and all those aspects. You also have the micro content of YouTube shorts and all of that. Yes, live is important, but be touching and engaging with them the same way if you were super passionate about applesauce or gardening or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you like, man, I wonder what what uh, Frank is doing about this or it's like, oh, man, you know, Think about how you engage and then just hit those points with them. So, yeah, comments is important because that's one of the main ways people are comfortable with replying. I replied almost every comment I, I had to even to the point of uh, when I took a pause, I was going all the way back. It was stuff even like to 2019. And then people were like, oh, man, I didn't know if anybody was ever going to see this or reply. I was still <laughs> right. dealing with this. Or right. <laughs> I yeah. answer all my comments. That's cool. So the other thing is some things you can take over from live video. Like you mentioned, like if you watch Diana's channel, you know that she loves white chocolate. That's her thing. Dark chocolate. No, no, it's all white chocolate. It's almost like an inside joke. It's almost like, you know, and people who follow you know that. And like, and on the show, like I mentioned Google Plus at least once a show and it's a drinking game and now Chris has to take a drink. And Chris always (laughs) gives me a hard time about saying Google Plus. So, um, but those things, those are what endear you to your audience. Those are what connects people. Mm. That's what those little running things. And I think that's super important. Um, I do uh, something that's also super important. It's our friends over at Ecamm. Make sure you guys go check them out. This is what makes this show possible. Socialmedianewslive.com forward slash Ecamm. Also check out their, uh, a new show, uh, the demo uh, show that they're doing right now in June, starting up the new one. So there's a lot of great guests on that as well. So make sure to check them out. But I want to make sure we have plenty of time to talk about the one right video book um, because it is it is really a good book. And I hope all of you guys um, go out, get it, leave a review for them, uh, for Diana on Amazon, help her out, share it with your friends because it really is. There's so much practical advice in there uh, and not just on you know, what to do, how to do it, but also like the mindset behind mm-hmm. it. And so I mm-hmm. wanted to know, Dana, what like motivated you to write the run, the one right video, because most books aren't like a huge moneymaker. It takes a lot of time, a lot of effort. So why did you do it? Um, so the, a lot of people may take this answer a lot of different kind of ways, but I'm someone that prays a lot. Okay. I'm mm-hmm. a Christian believer. And so I'm someone that prays a lot and I know I'm getting something that's not of myself when it's something I completely don't want to do. And the book was one of them. And so I'm like, this is dumb and I'm not doing it. (laughs) 
<laughs> and so I'm just like, yep, I didn't, I don't know what that is, but I'm not doing that. And so I was just like, mm, no, there's other ones. Like you talk about Sean Cannell, Sean, Sean's like a brother. I love him. I got YouTube secrets. I got YouTube secrets. Uh, the second a revised version. I'm like, nope, got Daryl, got everybody's good. You got Roberto Blake. Everybody's we're covered. But um, I said, I suppose I sat on that for some months though, even before all of that. And um, I didn't want to write it. I'll be honest with you. I just didn't want, I didn't want to approach writing a book. Uh, but again, like I said, like I said before of needing to understand why you are where you are and why you're firmly planted and stuff like that. I was like, what do I, what do I actually want my life to be? What do I, what I want to have? Yeah. Being an author is, is one of them, but I was, I just figured not in this stage of life, like, no, we're not there yet. Or it's like, wouldn't that make more sense later? Nothing. So it wasn't like some like, Oh, I just knew I wanted to write a book. I want, I just, no, it wasn't like that. So it was a lot of friction, but what it, what made me want to actually follow through with it is number one, that would the idea of it wouldn't go away. And then number two, the concept of putting your words in an immortal form of print mm. and knowing how much I value and how I have literally changed my life because of the books that surround me that I've read that people like Napoleon Hill that I will never meet became great mentors of my life. Why would I take that away from somebody if I know that the the wisdom and the things that I'm garnering throughout life and I, I do I want to write other books if I, I know this already, what am I afraid of? Mm-hmm. And that's ultimately what, you know, kind of where you get to. And so the why uh, in the goal of my ultimate purposeful work in life uh, to do that, this is this is part of that and making sure that. You don't have to watch a bunch of YouTube videos. We can just get to the meat and potatoes for those that prefer it in a, a print and a written form and stuff like that, that we have that. Um, and I guess that at the end of the day, it's just like to make sure that I can be in the most ultimate form of service, like I said, which is that immortal format being print that will outlive me. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how God works that way too. Like it's and it also times it's like, it seems like, you know, the hard things that are kind of crappy for becomes fertilizer to help you grow. Cause sometimes oh it's the only thing gosh, that, that yeah. makes you grow yeah. is that tough stuff. So yeah. So thank, thanks for the, uh, being transparent. Go ahead and Connor. I'm sorry. I cut you off. I know. I think it's, I think it's interesting too, because this next question kind of, kind of plays into that. Like, well, I don't want to do this. I, I can't do this. One of the biggest things we face as content creators is imposter syndrome, right? Mm. I'm a fraud. Uh, no one's going to believe me. Why would anyone listen to me? Um, when it comes to your, your book, how, how do you address imposter syndrome, especially considering it's, it's such a big thing for us content creators? Mm. Uh, I'm a real logical person. I'm not like super emotional. I'm very logical. Uh, and so when it comes to the whole thing of imposter syndrome, it's like, we got to think about how we define that. What are we believing that to mean for us? And it may mean, that I'm not the right person to be doing this. Um, me trying to do this makes me seem greater than I am. Uh, you know, they're like, I'm not good enough. It brings up a lot of things. My, my process is what I call discrediting the devil, which essentially is a little devil on everybody's shoulder that is whispering the things to you, whether it's even uh, belief systems from other people or beliefs you've had about yourself for a long time that you just keep defending and holding on to that, but you've never evaluated it 
to see what's some truth to what I'm what I'm feeling and what I'm thinking. Um, and so the way that I approach that imposter syndrome thing is just like one, does this even make sense? And a lot of times it's stupid. <laughs> like it's like I, for real. It's, like, <laughs> it's dumb. It's like there's some levels of that. Like, should I do this? Is this me? Am I trying to be somebody else? And and those questions are valid to a point of figuring out: Are you doing something for the right reasons with the right intentions? And because it is of yourself. Or even if you are, you know, inspired to suit something, it's something deeper there, you know, to draw that inspiration out to make you want to do something. But the whole thing of I'm gonna be found out to be somebody that I'm not. Well, who the hell were you being? It, it does this isn't. <laughs> right. You wanted to be a coach, a business owner, right? You wanted to be successful, right? You wanted to do all these different things. You wanted to speak on big stages. You wanted to help a lot of people. Well, is this gonna help you do it or not? It's like, well, yeah. Well, then shut the hell up. Let's get to it. You know, it's like. Who, who, <laughs> You know, it's like it just so some of that is um, you get into this me too syndrome of not like the movement, but it's like the me too. Somebody say, oh, I'm struggling because I feel like uh, this isn't who I am. And it's like, oh, me too. Like sometimes some of that is like knowing when to stop. It's like stop getting on everybody's bandwagon. Stop getting on everybody's train. It's like, what do you actually feel? And so when you start to dispel some of those beliefs and question them, you find a lot of them have no validity. And it's like, well, I've never done this before, or I'm not going to be any good in it. You've never done it before. So uh, nobody's good at anything. They've not, I'm not good at being a pilot. I've never, never right. been behind, never took a flight class in my life. So yeah, you're never going to be good at something that you've never done. That makes sense. That's logical. Mm-hmm. You're in the process of saves you. That little phrase, I am in the process of, saves you from a lot of the who you are and who you are not conversations because if I'm in the process of becoming a better author, how can that be a lie? How can that be false? Mm. I'm in the process of becoming a video content creator. I'm in the process of becoming a better entrepreneur. I'm in the process of becoming a better uh, employer. I'm in the process of, be, you know, you know, becoming a better right. friend. How's that? A, a, what, what, what about that can you find fault with? Not much, uh, if anything. But if so, if you don't feel comfortable in the I am this, because you're solid in it and you feel like I am not this, if it's something that is going to lead you to the things that you want, the, the why you believe you're here, who you're created to serve and all of that, then change the language. And that will also help to change and shift your beliefs as to I am in the process of, you know, and then that will save you from a lot of the back and forth of just having to be I am or I am not. What are you in the process of? And then leave the rest of that alone. Mm-hmm. That's so good. So one of the last questions I want to ask, because we're running out of time, but um, it's, so I speak about this when I speak on stage, one of the things that I talk about, and I love this, that you hit about on it so hard in your book, you talk, I talk about collecting consistently. Um, and you talk about the importance of capturing ideas. And I think you almost had a whole chapter on this. Can you talk about, um, you know, how you do that really quickly and how it contributes to their content creation process? Because I think, that's where people struggle. It's like, uh, I want to do this, but I, I don't have a, my ideas aren't good enough or I don't have enough or, you know, that's what they struggle with. And mm. by collecting this all the time, I think really helps. So talk about your strategies on that. Yeah. Like I said, early simple system serves. Uh, I still use this to this day. I shared this also in the book, which is you have the capture, the in progress, and then the done folder, which is to say when I want to capture an idea, 
every format needs to be available to me no matter where I am so that it's not stuck in a piece of paper that I now need to figure out how to get it to me when I'm out of town kind of a thing or having to lug around a journal all the time if that's not you. But I capture stuff. What's the easiest way? Most of us have ideas all the time. We have excellent ideas, things that you really should do and then you forget. And then you know that you forgot. It's like it's, it's stupid because you remember that you forgot something that was important, but you don't remember what the important thing was is the brain's catch 22. So how can I stop that? Closing the loop, audio notes. So I can hit and say to the A-L-E-X-A person or to the S-I-R-A person to go ahead and uh, capture a note, even have a quick button on my Loop Deck Live and computer and all that to open up and capture a note, whether that be audibly or whether that be in a written format. And then it just logs the idea. So the capture folder is not about vetting the idea. It's not deciding if it's good, it's simply just capturing it. So it's putting it in a form that I can keep up with later. And then sometimes some, some ideas you like, yeah, I, I don't know where that one came from. That's not me, I don't wanna do that one. And then you get rid of it, fine. Mm. But those that are something that you want to kind of move into like, yeah, that was really good. I need to flesh this out. I put whatever notes, whatever I'm thinking, what I'm imagining, if it's links to something I wanna reference, all this stuff goes in just this simple document, no order, no structure for it, just a document, what's the name of it? What's the point of the video? Why did I come up with this? And then I may still hit the voice recorder just to share my thoughts uh, around what I'm thinking in that moment. And you log it. So the, I have a, a capture folder that's just logging it. I, maybe you do subfolders of podcast ideas or micro content, like I like to do skits. So this week I had an idea for a, a skit, two skits, uh, one my friend gave me. And so I'm like, oh great, I'm, I logged it, done. Yeah. So if I forget, I'm like, it was something that was really good. Let me go to the skits. I remember it was a skit, I don't remember which one. So that. Number two is in progress. When I'm ready to now take this idea from just being documented and captured, and I wanna move it to actually working on it, I move it to the in progress folder because it's way less stuff in that folder. Uh, and it's only one other subfolder in that number two one, which is to say it's ready to record. So for me, in progress, now I'm fleshing out this idea and I'm starting to go through what would be the three, five, seven, whatever points. What's the, like, let me actually work through this idea. And so the uh, video planning guide that I give away and a bunch of other resources from the book is in there. And so now I'm starting to work out the idea. When it comes now to the days I'm ready to record, all I do is move it from in progress, like I'm working on the idea, to ready to record. So on the days I'm ready to record, and I just use the one, two, three, and four, it's usually right. about as many videos as I'm recording in one time, I have them numbered in a sequential logical order that makes it easy for me to record them. So if I know I'm really excited about the latest camera, for example, I don't want to wait and let that be video number three or something because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to talk about it now. And every other video is going to be punished because I'm going to rush through it just to get to that one. So make it the first one. What now makes it easy to talk about? Maybe I want to talk about the accessories. Maybe I want to talk about moving from APS-C to full frame. Like, And I just logically set it up. It don't have to be something you take 40 hours on, just three second thing. Then I record it. When I when it's now recorded, those notes, the outline, that gets posted to Asana. So it can go to my uh, uh, video editor. He knows what points I covered, other things, links to resource, all that stuff was already done. Put that in Asana when I schedule the workout to be edited and all of that after it's recorded. But when it's done, I move it to the done folder. And what makes the reason why I have it a done folder instead of just deleting, because sometimes we we do need to reference something, but Apple Notes, Google Notes are searchable. So I can say, what did I say about, what are the things <laughs> right. I talked about in like May about such and such? And it pulls all that stuff up. 
and that's all it is. So it's just, it's a uh, capture in progress, ready to move it from in progress to got like a two A, which is ready to record and then done. And that's it. So one of the things I thought was good too, is you talked about how you, you, you know, you had something with you all the time that you would capture that because for me, I come up with ideas and if I don't, if I don't write them down or get them in the system, they go away. And I think that's a lot of times where, um, you know, the businesses and people trying to create content, you know, they, they falter like, oh, I had the idea. I can't remember what it is. I actually have mm-hmm. a special watch face on my, uh, my, my Apple watch. Cause I, li- I get a lot of ideas when I listen to podcasts. So I actually have mm-hmm. a face where I can pause the podcast and there's a button on it. I can just record right there. So I can be driving my car and not having to take my eyes off the road. And I can just record that thought. It gets it transcribed and into that system. Kind of like what you have. So there's so many yep. things, Diana, that I, I just want to talk about, but we're running out of time. I want to, you know, we didn't talk about your clarity f- framework framework but and some other things but you guys do me a favor if you find value in the show go get diana's book it's 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 not very expensive yeah. over as a kindle edition or buy the thing the paperback and write notes in it and all sorts of things just go get it it's well worth it leave her a review but diana i want to have let you have a chance to tell people where they can find you what you're working on uh, and the best way to contact you yeah. So the next thing that I'm doing is the Ecamm Creator Camp, one of the camp counselors, which I'm really pumped and excited about. So make sure you get a ticket. Come. It'll be amazing. And you can always find me at dianagalatney.com to figure out what we're doing, what we're working on and such. And then if you want to do, grab my brand new book, The One Right Video, so you can learn how to create a series of One Right videos for your ideal target audience. You can go to onerightvideo.com. So cool. Connor Brown, where can people find out what you're doing and what you got up? Absolutely. Great, great episode today. You can head over to WDWOpinion.com or follow me on all the social channels at WDWOpinion if you're looking to plan your next Disney trip. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for watching today. Thank you for Jim and Chris and uh, uh, let's see, Chris Stone was here. I mean, all the other people who are here today, I appreciate you guys. Gary, thank you for watching as always over on YouTube. Uh, We wouldn't be able to do this show without you. Thank you for our sponsor, Ecamm. You can find out more about them at socialmedianewslive.com forward slash Ecamm. Don't forget about their new show that's going on in YouTube. And with that, we'll see you guys next week. Bye, everybody. Social Media News Live.